Hey, everybody, if you cannot tell, number one, if you're listening to this, there's no way for you to tell. But if you're watching this, thank you so much for watching uh, the podcast. I was at Pack Expo and I went straight from Pack Expo to vacation with my wife. Uh, we went down to Puerto Vallarta. It was quite lovely and I got a fresh tan. Um, and But I'm feeling rejuvenated and refreshed. And so some of the content I was able to get, I could not get out in time while I was at Peck Expo. So I'm just cranking it out here. So today's episode is brought to you by Specrite. Specrite is the industry leader for packaging specification management software. They make it easy for packaging professionals to maintain the entire packaging life cycle. If you want to know more about ways that you can level up your packaging game, go to specrite.com backslash PKG. That is S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash PKG. And someone will help you out. We had an awesome time at the Specrite booth. I got to meet quite a few people there at the show. They were giving away these really cool hats and all sorts of stuff. So make sure you check them out. Specrite.com slash PKG. And now you get to hear the interview I did with Brad Walling and John Perkins at Westrock. We talk about all sorts of stuff, including uh, this really cool, innovative new product that they have that is a wrap uh, with super minimized amount of paperboard to replace uh, single-use multi-pack plastic. So don't miss this conversation with John and Brad. Let's get to it. All right, so another... Live, second trip here to West Rock, you guys, in one day. I, I didn't even have to go to Georgia. That's uh, I just had to come down to Vegas from Salt Lake. So this is exciting, and the audio is working, Courtney. So that's been that's been good. Uh, so we're 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 stepping it up here. So I've got Brad and John from West Rock, and we're going to talk about um, a little bit of kind of build upon the conversation that I was able to have this morning, but even talk a little bit larger about some things that you guys are doing to. To, to really drive change. I mean, obviously, Westrock is a small little startup that might make it. Um, and you guys work, no, I mean, you guys are, it's, it's a big company with an ability to make a large impact. You're working with companies, both large and small, that uh, really be able to, to, to drive noticeable change within um, areas of sustainability. I'm, I'm super excited to talk about it. So, Brad, John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you taking time with us and excited to share a little bit about what we're doing in the restaurant. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Brad, first of all, just quick introduction. Why don't you talk about uh, your favorite shade of purple, uh, what color your um, first car was, uh, you know, I, I don't know, just, you know, your name and your title and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, my favorite shade of purple would be my daughter's favorite shade of purple. That's a, that's that's a great answer. Color. But what is the Pantone color? Oh, I could no. <laughs> We have phenomenally talented graphic designers that would just know that off the top of their head. That's yeah. not me. I don't know it either. So I'm Brad Walling with Westrock. I've been in this industry with Westrock for 17 years. I graduated from a packaging program and found out that Westrock was the company that invented the original fridge pack, fridge master design. And that really got me hooked into the inventive side of what design can do for, for products and for, for consumers. So it's been quite the journey since then. Um, we have a rich talent pool at Westrock designers that are just passionate about uh, sustainability and trying to get single-use plastics out of the ocean. Hmm. All right, which packaging school? Michigan State University. Okay. The Michigan State University? 
<laughs> I'm not allowed to say that. With, I can't make that joke. <laughs> with, with, because you're in the state. state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're. I used to say I go into the Colorado State University, right, but right. I forget like Michigan State and Ohio State actually care about football. Where CSU, we're we're doing them. Um, anyway, John and yourself, a quick introduction. Yeah, thank you, Adam. So John Perkins, uh, been in the industry thirty years, uh, all with West Rock. So uh, Georgia Tech engineer, mechanical engineer, trade school on North Avenue. Yeah. And it's been really an interesting journey, Adam, because I've seen in the time I've been here a lot of change in packaging. I've seen a lot of change relative to new packaging formats and what's happened. Um, certainly in the 90s, there was a big push for film and plastic coming in the packaging industry, away from paperboard. And it was so much driven at the time around cost. And uh, Fern Gully, the movie Fern Gully, don't forget that. <laughs> exactly. That was also part of it, yeah, okay. But uh, so, you know, now having been, again, 30 years with the company, seeing the ability to work with our big CPG companies to understand what they're trying to do. and. Uh, as you learn more about Westrock, our secret sauce is really to be able to pull together a good understanding of consumers, a good understanding of supply chains, a good understanding of what our brands for our customers are trying to do, and then taking that and developing a holistic solution that works. Because if it falls down in any aspect, doesn't work in the supply chain, has a lot of breakage damage loss, you know, costs too much, doesn't run right on the shop floor, consumers don't like it. Any of those things, it's not a workable solution. So it's a lot of fun uh, working with customers to really think holistically about what they're trying to solve for and how can we take the great capabilities of the company and apply them. Right. And so let's let's start here, Brad, with uh, this this Heinz package, right? So you were at the you were involved in like a design aspect of it, is that correct? We were in the middle of a really exciting initiative for trying to take out single-use plastics and packaging. And we had cut our teeth on beverage multi-packs, but we were made aware that in the UK, Tesco stores were threatening Kraft Heinz as a brand to be delisted if they couldn't get out of single-use plastic shrink films. And so that was a bit of a burning platform for them. Um, we started out with a lot of great ideas that we knew how to do that were both great for the brand in terms of billboard no matter how you turn it on shelf you can see paperboard and it's a great printable package and we quickly found out that as they were moving away from plastics to papers they also wanted to control their cost of goods sold in the process so we sought to um, stretch our thinking a bit and we tried different wraps as we call them where it's top side bottom and mm -hmm. locked and we were increasingly pushed more and more to maintain the brand equity elements of Heinz, which is so iconic in the UK, staples of lunch or tea and dinner in the diet, um, but it still had to be more minimal. And we resulted in an outcome that was collaborative with, with John's team on the machinery side uh, to look at what can automation do to deliver something uh, never done before in the market, but it had to still contain the product it had to elevate the brand's image in that process and be very sustainable. Yeah, right. And and so, did they did? So this was um, like, if I'm thinking about like Tesco, were they also pushing you not just on, hey, can you get rid of plastic, but also, I mean, there there's not a lot of paperboard used in this, right? Um, so I would imagine you were even pressed with. Well, how can you do it in such a way so that it is less, there's less carbon impact than the plastic, right? Because that's always the big driver, I think, from, from you know, when, when people are talking about these things is, 
we have the plastic has it has less of an impact on carbon, um, but you guys actually ran like a third party LCA. LCA on this, right, to show that in fact it was not only going to be you know better in terms of removing the single use plastic, but it was also less impactful on the environment. That's right, and it was in fact an iterative process to get there, and it was a couple of uh, interesting things coming together. One was the value of having a globally connected design community. We knew about some things that we were trying in a different region uh, around containment of articles, and we sought to, oh, could we leverage this here, which coincided with another project we were running where we actually encountered a failure. We had made it so minimal, in fact, that when we went to go trial it, um, it wasn't retaining the product, and that taught us something. In that process, we invented a new patented feature that we call the cluster wing that tucks underneath to engage the cans from the tops and the bottoms, which is enabled by Westrock Automation, which is the only automation that can do this. Mm -hmm. But that led to an LCA story that was very compelling as we sought to minimize the material, think really thoughtfully about, we think about caliber and thickness of our materials as well. And we got it to that point where um, it was in fact a very credible and compelling LCA outcome um, for Kraft Heinz. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So John, um, when, when they came to you with this, the design, was your first reaction like, yeah, yeah, we got it. And then you go back to your team and you're like, <laughs> how, how is this going to be automated? What? Like, I, I, I mean, because even just looking at like, you know, the difference between, you know, like on the table here, like th these green beans, it's like, uh, yeah, I get it. I totally understand how this would go in here and be secured. And then if I saw this on the shelf, I'd be like, oh no, you know, like, <laughs> What is going to happen? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and I just want to build a moment on Brad's point because part of what is so important to make something like this work is the consumer got to have trust in it. And if the pack starts tearing, if the pack feels flimsy, any of that aspect, and consumers are going to turn away. They want something, they want to see something minimal, mm -hmm. but they want to also make sure it's not going to fall apart. Right. And so when uh, we were talking about how to develop the most minimalist wrap, then you really start forcing yourself to be creative and you start forcing yourself, how can we redeploy paper in the package in a different way? And so, um, you know, the, the machinery applications of this are very, very high speed. So, and I've got a video I can share with you towards the tail end. But for the three pack version of this, we're over 400 packs a minute. So if you think about just the speeds of that, it's a blur. And in that time, we are taking in front folding and back folding the paperboard that otherwise would be scrapped to go in and retain the cans. And as you handled it a moment ago, you can see the positive nature of how well it retains the cans. Yeah. Because if the package is minimalistic, but doesn't make it through the supply chain, and the retailer starts saying, okay, all this product is bad, and the CPG companies have to buy it back, mm -hmm. then that whole economics, plus the sustainability story of it. Because well, it's, it's, it's all gone. gone. It's all yeah. gone. Yeah, you've, you've lost money, you've lost credibility, you've lost brand equity, and you've created more energy that's been deployed into the atmosphere because now you've got to do something else with all these cans. Right? That's right. And yeah. so we're, we were able to sit down and really brainstorm with pack designer and machine designer. We co-locate. We put them together. So that's where the best creativity happens when you get them side by side. Uh, but to be able to go in and lock you see this area of the pack where it's black. So yeah. we're not only folding the top, but we're also reaching in and folding these bottom tabs at speed and using cameras to look at every single pack to make sure every one of them has the tabs folded correctly and also the lock that's done on the pack 
where you see the black, uh -huh. that that lock is made correctly. And so as the camera's looking at every single pack, if there is a fault in that pack, then it rejects it offline, it doesn't even stop. So the machine keeps running full speed. Now obviously if there's a big event, then mm -hmm. you need to stop and repair what caused the big event. But that's the type, high performance we have to have to have a credible solution. So back to the opening comments, if the pack falls apart in supply chain, consumers yeah. don't like it, you can't run it at decent efficiency on the production line, yeah. you know, all those things really work against it. So, and, and, you know, it's the theme here in uh, what we're talking about for craft times, but it's in all of our minimalist solutions. When you drive minimalist solutions, you are by nature pushing the boundaries. Yeah. And so you've got to really look at holistically around what are the limits, do you understand those limits, and how do you make sure that you're close to them, but have enough factor of safety that it's going to work. Right, right. I, I heard somebody who's a sustainability consultant tell me um, it's reduce, reuse, and recycle, and it's in that order. Right, like the, the biggest gains we can make in our packaging industry is in reduction, you know, but to your point, it doesn't help you <laughs> to reduce it to such a point where it, it's, it, it, the consumer doesn't like it or you can't be noticed or whatever it might be. Hey, let me take a real quick break before John jumps in to answer that question and tell you about a few ways you can take your packaging knowledge to the next level. Avelio Matos is the host of the Packaging Design Unboxed podcast, and I want to encourage you to go listen to his episodes with packaging designers and industry experts like Tom Zaki right away. And also, if you want to keep the sustainable packaging trend going, go ahead and follow Corey Connors on his Sustainable Packaging podcast. And if that's not enough, and you want to hear all three of us together, we are on Clubhouse every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you need an invite, please let one of us know. We'll get you on there. We just talk about sustainable packaging for an hour every Wednesday. So Packaging Design Unboxed, Sustainable Packaging Podcast, and Clubhouse on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Let's go hear what John had to say. We've had that happen on a, on a different project where we took something down so minimal, but yet the functional fit for use wasn't there. And no matter how great the sustainability story was, the consumers lost confidence and then it wasn't worthwhile. So we had to go back and re-engineer it to make sure it was both fit for use and as minimal as possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, my head hurts thinking about how that all gets assembled <laughs> at those speeds. Like I'm just looking at this going like, what on earth? I would have been like, yeah, I'm out. So kudos to you guys for saying, no, 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 we're in, we're, we got this. Have you started to dream about, you know, other applications and take this to, to market with other applications? Yeah, we have, Adam. I think if you look at food cans broadly, uh, we're seeing a couple of trends happening. There is establishment of multi-packs. And, you know, we talked, Brad talked about uh, starting in the days of fridge pack. The company's actually been doing multi-packs since the 1950s. We were the original inventor of the Coke six-pack basket carrier in the first use of craft paperboard. So our one of our original designers was in World War II and okay. saw this craft paper that was used for sea rations and came back and said, hey, I think I can make a multi-pack out of this. Huh. And so uh, in one of our machinery sites, if you were there and you walked in in Atlanta, you would see an original basket erector machine that was to open a basket from the 1950s. Why is this at the Pack to the Future exhibit here? It seems like, have you seen, have you heard of this exhibit here? No, I haven't, I need to check it out. Oh goodness, yeah, they have a whole exhibit here that's like 
really old packaging equipment, mm. so it's we like, would fit right in that. Yeah, you should you should talk to PMMI about doing that next year, bringing it out if you can. So, but that starts. The reason why I bring that up, it starts yeah. in your DNA. We've been operating continuously in that mindset, better part of seventy years, around this whole idea of optimized pack design, board machines, all coming together. So, it is a high performance application. We've been doing wraps. Uh, for a long time, since mm -hmm. literally the 60s, but this is, like I said, the most minimalist wrap we have ever developed, and so we're really proud of it. I think, um, when you get where I was headed with all that, if you look at food cans particularly, we see a, an emergence of multi-packs. So now, you know, you see at club stores, you see club stores where you can buy 12 packs of soup and beans and the like, and uh, you go into grocery, you see Campbell's with four packs of, of uh, you know, tomato soup and you see vegetables in four packs and so we see this emergence and not dissimilar from what happened in beverage a long time ago that right. the brand owners want you as a consumer to increase your ring size and right. they can have a carrier you know in a grocery store four pack that's small enough count that the consumer's not going to go home and overstock their pantry with one particular one but also that enough to get you buy more than one or two that's a big deal for them and so we look at it around how do we take not only what we did in Kraft Heinz, but how do we take this into soup and vegetables and pet food and other applications. Have, and and I, I don't expect you to know this offhand, but it would be interesting, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, well, I wonder what the not, I mean, again, like, I think sustainability and profitability have to go together. We're not gonna, we're not gonna goodwill our way to a better world, right? Like we. We have to create things that are marketable and like I know it doesn't people don't really like to talk about machine speed efficiencies and uh, you know material use and cost of goods sold when it comes to sustainability and I'm like no you have to talk about these things because they're critically important to brands um, but as you were talking about that I'm like I wonder if they if they will see oh they were already doing multi-packs though right in some cases, like I talked about Campbell's Soup, they're already in shrimp okay. multi-packs. And Got so it. they're looking at how do we grow more multi-packs because they like that, they get a greater ring size, yeah. but also how can they get it with a more sustainable solution. And we talk a lot about the, the material itself, the machinery. There's a big energy savings. When you run a shrink tunnel, and you probably know this from your time in the industry, shrink mm -hmm. tunnels use a lot of power. Yeah. And so when we look at multi-packs, there is a step change reduction. We use more than, I said right, Less than 50% of the power to run a shrink tunnel is going to go into a multi-pack machine. Yeah, and if you read, um, I, I highly recommend, uh, Bill Gates wrote a book about um, climate change recently, and it's, it's fascinating, because he seems to be a pretty smart guy. And, and he talks about the focus on energy, and how like if we're really going to make dense, like we have to focus not just on how do we create cleaner energy, but how do we utilize less energy? Um, exactly. Yeah, and he actually has a whole point in there about packaging where he talks about how packaging gets kind of a, you know, quote, a, a bad rap, unintended. Uh, but but that really it's, it's like what you're talking about, like the focus on the other stuff that comes around packaging. So energy and water use and, um, uh, I forget what, what's the other one. Anyway, he talks about all the ancillary things around it. And that's where some of these like third-party LCAs that we were talking about become, become really important. Right. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, well, as you're as you're dreaming, I mean, I gotta imagine one of the coolest parts, Brad, for working for Westrock is like a company like Westrock affords you the ability to kind of dream big. You know, like because you have so many resources and you have 
partners that you've been with for a really long time, um, as it being in design, do you look at this and go like, hey, that's really cool. What's next? What are we going to do next? Right? Like, I got to imagine just the creative in you is, is wants to make John's life miserable with like, hey, look at what I designed. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> no, it's it, it, the innovation and the problem solving with, with our talent density is not finite. You know, it doesn't just go away tomorrow. There's always another good idea. And having a, a true partnership, as John said, isn't so much us burdening one or the other right. with things that can't be done because it's partnered. We're trying to work on it together to figure things out. In some cases, that has yielded um, machinery that's very um, small scale to start with. That can be graduated into mid-scale and to high scale to meet consumers' needs or customers' needs. Uh, but we're always challenging ourselves with the materials that we have. We're pushing our materials to do more than they've ever had to do before. Um, much like in the plastic space, you know, there's grades of plastics for a reason. Well, there's grades of paper for a reason. Mm -hmm. You have SBS, you have coated recycled materials, you have craft material. They all play a different role and different purpose depending on what it is. And putting those tools in the hands of designers and engineers is pretty amazing what you can do with it when pressed. We've had a great streak of hiring really talented packaging scientists, but also industrial designers and graphic designers. Folks that go to school starting out thinking, I'm going to do apparel design or the next automotive design. And when they realize with packaging, they can put their thumbprint on something in the course of several months and have it in, in market. It's really powerful. People yeah. find a lot of reward in going down the retail aisle and saying, hey, my team made this into a reality. And that's that's, that's my favorite part about packaging, honestly. Yeah is even with my kids going like, I, I made this. And they're getting a little sick of it now, I think. But but my wife has gotten into it. She's like, hey, I found this, and it's made in Utah. You should call them. And I'm like, oh, thanks, babe. I appreciate it. <laughs> we have uh, our Europe, one of our European design leaders, Greg Bentley, in fact, has, not, not to do a plug here, but he has a, a profile called Passion for Pack. So on the side, he's just constantly scouting and looking and getting followers for cool packaging. Some of it's West Rock, some of it isn't. But it's just that passion is positively pervasive in, in our organization. Yeah, um, by the way, we should totally have Greg on the podcast. He came from, is it Anheuser-Busch, is that where he came from? Yeah, he had an amazing history with Oriflame. He designed the Fanta swirl bottle at Coke, and then he, he did some incredible digital campaigns with digital labels when he was at Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. And we were very fortunate to um, have him join our team. Yeah. And he's been just an incredible leader um, in the short time he's been here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that and I was like, wow, that's really exciting. Because yeah. um, we're connected on LinkedIn and nice. we go back and forth. It's not a lot. It, LinkedIn can be kind of a lonely place for the packaging people. Like, we need more people to engage on LinkedIn. So if you guys want to, it's you're welcome to join in the party. I think I'm following you. Oh, okay. Well, it's it, like write <laughs> stuff and like post awesome things. Because I think pack, I mean, of course, you know, you guys probably work on like super secret projects that you can't talk about. But, you know, once they're live, like, yeah. And brag away about that. I think it's really cool. Um, what? So maybe what's one other thing here at the show? Because we're running, we're kind of running out on time here. Like, what's one other thing that is is really exciting that that you guys are working? on? We've talked a lot about the the Kraft Heinz pack, and I think for good reason. It's winning awards. It's it's making good change. It's doing some awesome stuff. Um, is there another thing here that you're just like? Yeah, Adam, I would say what we're doing in beverage cans right now to replace hot cone rings and shrink. Yeah. It, that is a very big one. And you think about, and we'll take some time, if you have a few minutes at the end, and go through some of the details on it. Yeah, let's do it. But when you think about being able to replace a product like hot cone, 
that for all of its pluses and minuses has been out there for a really long time. And you're taking the fiber-based substrate in a truly minimalist, very minimalist approach and having that go through all the various supply chains. Supply chains in Europe are not the same as supply chains in the U.S., not supply chains in Mexico. They're all going to have their idiosyncrasies. And our design team, both packaging and machinery, have developed a real series of what I would characterize breakthrough designs that are at the absolute minimalist level with no glue, oriented product. Wait, did you say, I thought you said no glue. I said no glue. Now my head hurts again. <laughs> oriented products okay. that survive through the supply chain right. and run full-on maximum speeds, again, Man. 400 packs a minute. So we're super excited about what we've developed in our whole can collar range and yeah. the flexibility that we give brand owners and the equipment solutions to deliver on that. And so, again, it's been a push where we've said, you know, if we're going to play in this space, it's how do we really give our brand owner customers something that's a competitive advantage. Cost is important. Supply chain performance is important. Machinery performance is important. And we want to do it without glue. Do you find... Like, again, like all of that still kind of makes my head hurt. So I'm, I'm really grateful for engineers, so I'll just say that. <laughs> um, but do you find that whether it's minimalizing a wrap or making a changeover to a different, um, what did you call it, collar? Sorry. Exactly. Um, that the, the resistance to change, is it, is it typically uh, related to like cost? Is it equipment? Is it you know, sort of longevity bias, where it's like, well, that's just all we've done, you know? It's all that, okay. it's, it's and. Okay, <laughs> so it, so cl it. clearly legislation in Europe, this European directive, has got folks really focused. But beyond that, what we see is pockets, we see areas, mm -hmm. Canary Islands, Balearic Islands, uh, as examples, where there's local municipalities that have said, we're gonna have a higher standard when it comes to eliminating plastic than we may have across, say, European directive. Oh, so those have been some of the first to move, and in it, um, because you're doing something different, customers know, and they're, they're probably more open, like I said, I've been 30 years in this industry, they're probably more open now than ever around, hey, there's going to be some bumps in the road, there's going to be some risks. This is brand new. Right. And it impacts everything. It impacts consumer behavior, mm -hmm. right? So how consumers are going to engage with a package. Yeah. If it's a paperboard clip versus if it's plastic icon rings or shrimp film, is different. And so there's everything from the consumer on back. All those elements of the supply chain are all new and different. So it requires really great customer engagement on all those fronts to be able to say, okay, there's a lot of unknowns here and we need to go work collaboratively. And I gotta say, you know, Brad's team's done some fantastic work around how we go out and run supply chain tests, consumer tests with our customers to again to, to understand what those potential hot spots are so we can address them on the front end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, that uh, okay, I have so many questions about about the the rinks. I'm just thinking, like, it seems like if if somebody, well, I guess they would both have the same. They're they're, they're solving the same problem, right? Exactly. Um, and and there's gonna be there's gonna be change either way. So, do you think then, as you look at what's happening in the U.S. specifically with legislation, where I look at Maine and Oregon with EPR laws? You've got California that's now doing some uh, recycling claim laws. Do you see sort of the governmental push um, being a thing that may 
may force a lot of these changes for brands who maybe at, at a time are like, oh, we don't really want to do it, but here in the U.S., because I don't know anything about Canary Island laws, yeah. right? So, um, but I know a little bit about the U.S. Exactly. So do you think, I mean, again, not really advocating one way or another, but just saying like, hey, if this is the direction that we're heading, do you see that? Well, certainly in Canada, it's probably closest to home. So Canada's got its own legislation around taking out single-use plastic. So okay. it's still moving around, and people are trying to understand what all that means, whether you're talking plastic utensils or whatever. Sure. Um, but in all that, you know, what's happening is consumers are watching. And yeah. so as consumers see what happens in certain areas, and, you know, it's been impressive to me the amount of people that talk globally around new packaging innovation. And mm -hmm. we follow that. We see that. Courtney does a great job following that for us. And so there's an aspect around legislation for sure, but there's also going to be an aspect around how big CPG companies, how big beverage customers, as an example, want to protect their brand and what do they want to do to be out in front of it. So right. it's one thing to say, I'm forced because legislation. It's another thing to say, consumers are actually adopting different purchasing, buying patterns. Mm -hmm. And how do they find themselves not behind uh, with their brands and being perceived as not supporting or bad actors or whatever. So I think that chapter is yet to be written. I think that very much is uh, in in uh, play right now. Yeah, yeah. I've never met a brand who's like, you know what we really want to do is uh, we need more single-use plastics. That's what our goal is with our packaging is. We want to increase it. That's not a yeah. directive that anybody has. Um, you know, certainly there, I think the idea that there will be zero especially in like a, you know an industry like I think about like healthcare or pharma seems like we're probably further away than like food and beverage maybe um, but it's certainly you know a, 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 a right north star right like what should we be Absolutely. aiming for you know and continuing to innovate and, and I try to help brands understand like the goal isn't to get from zero to a hundred in your sustainability journey sometimes it's just especially for like small and medium-sized brands it's like just just make the next best decision you know and then and then after that like make the next best decision you know that like you don't have to make a decision and then never change for exactly. the rest of your entire brand just like you wouldn't you wouldn't tell your kid if your brand or you know your product is early on you wouldn't be like well who you are at 10 is just who you're going to be for the rest of your life like we evolve as people i think brands can take on certain personalities and and we're certainly seeing that pressure as well um, and, and I'm grateful that there are companies like Westrock who, you know, you're not a, a, you know, not that newer innovative companies are are less exciting, but it's like you guys have been around, like you said, John, for since you know for 70 plus years doing this. You know, you've got the track record, you have the history, you have the your own brand integrity within the industry, um, and so it's just exciting to even be like a small part of that journey, right? Like. Uh, you know, by the way, Courtney's in here, and I don't know why you feel like you can't be on the podcast, but uh, uh, hi everyone. <laughs> Courtney's been awesome and connecting me up with with folks here. Um, we had actually at the end of season one, we had Chris Davidson on from West Rock, and he was he was an awesome guest. So um, I'm just excited to continue to see what's going to happen, and quite frankly, be able to actually see smiling faces in person at a trade show has been has felt really good. So. Um, anything, uh, anything, I mean, obviously people know, you know, they can find you guys on LinkedIn, I'm sure if they had any questions or contact or connect up with salespeople through, um, I'll get some links from you, Courtney, in terms of uh, how we can help people engage. And I want to build on that last point real yeah, quick. Yeah, go ahead. Just knowing that 
yes, Westrock is a big paper packaging company, but we're open for innovation and collaborative innovation. And if there's young upstarts, incubators out there that have great ideas, come talk to us. Yeah. We want to work on this together and make a difference. That's awesome. Well, um, hopefully you saw you have to solve a really great problem, which is a whole bunch of really amazing incubators taking you up on that, and and Bring we can and we can do something really awesome. But uh, John, Brad, it's been great. Appreciate you guys taking Thank a little bit of time here. At the end of the day, I'm getting in the way of happy hour slash almost dinner. Um, hey, Adam, we are appreciative of people like you who love packaging. So appreciate your time as well. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Courtney. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Adam, thank you. Thank yep. you.